Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Um, I'm still recovering from my food coma, from post-Super Bowl food coma, as usual. Um, it's the most that I had to eat in like three months and the most I'll probably eat in another three months. What'd you have? Um, I had pizza and I had garlic bread and I had wings. Oh, not bad. Not bad. So a nice, so I went for real classic. Uh, yeah. In the past, I've always had Super Bowl, like the opportunity to watch Super Bowl with other people. Um, whether it be like two people or like 20 people. So I didn't really have like a big spread because I was by myself, but I still decided to get a pizza wing deal that was out there. And then I threw in some garlic bread and I just have a bunch of leftover stuff that I don't know. I'm probably not going to eat. <laughs> no, you got you, you to eat the the pizza. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. The pizza, the pizza. I, I It's just, it's, oh, it's so much food and it's so difficult to eat it no, several right. days in a row. You can do it. Oh, I know I can. I just shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I went. Uh, I went another classic way. I went with nachos. Nachos. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, had some chips after because uh, the chips and the nachos weren't enough for me. Apparently. Oh, I yes, I had chips too. Sorry, I didn't. I, I that was talking the meal snack wise. I had chips as well, and then I topped it all off with ice cream. So, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, you, you definitely, uh, you, you ate more than me. I uh, ate too much. You... I don't normally eat this much, or like I haven't really been eating this much, and it was a lot. It, it's, it's taken a toll on me. Like honestly, <laughs> shaved I, I feel... some years off your life. Yeah, like I don't feel great. <laughs> it's a hundred percent connected to that. And you know what really sucks? It doesn't suck because it's all good. When you reach a certain age and you start like taking better care of yourself. If you ever revert to the foods you've kind of stepped away from, it's 10 times worse. Oh, no. The body just doesn't expect it. Like, I've been doing really well for almost four years where I've been eating, like, a lot better. And even my, like, pizza consumption is, like, really, really low. And I just (laughs) – it really – like impacted me like even just hours after eating i'm like i don't feel good <laughs> like this is not like this is not good like this does not feel good so luckily i've got some sports to go to tonight so i'll be burning off some of those calories tonight oh good yeah it's like that first hangover when you haven't drank in forever yeah and you feel like you're dying <laughs> well your body's just not used to it like my body is honestly it used to be very used to plunking in front of the television and just eating um until i was unconscious and then wake up the next day like that was that was my life for the better part of a decade um and now my body's so not used to that that i'm sore and i don't feel good and my body's screaming like just eat fruit and go exercise (laughs) fruit please please just eat something somewhat like organic <laughs> like okay. that's awesome so today today i had a nice salad for lunch i did have one slice of leftover pizza but again i got sports coming up tonight so i'm gonna be able to burn through that pretty easily oh well, there you go 
Well, we're uh, recording this week's uh, podcast the day after the Super Bowl on Monday. Uh, it's just the only day that worked for Mike and I's schedule this week, so unfortunately we don't have too much news to talk about, uh, but we will talk a little bit about the news before we dive into our Super Bowl recap. Um, some of it concerns your your best friend, Mike. Well, what, nipples is in the news? Yep. I didn't hear about any of this, so it's going to be a surprise to me. I so thought we were going to talk about Derek Carr. Oh, we're going to talk about him, too. Don't oh, worry. we are? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, when um, you said some news, and then you said, I just thought, oh, we're only talking about nipples. <laughs> no, we always got to talk about nipples, apparently, on this podcast. It's like a, a featured... Hey, every time we now. put nipples in the description or in the title, it's our best downloaded podcast, so... For the wrong reasons. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Those of you listening, you're sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's nipple. so funny though because people like I feel bad because people are probably so disappointed. Oh, absolutely. They like are. people who don't know our podcast download it and they're like, "What is this going to be?" And then it ends up being not what they wanted. It's just us two idiots talking about fantasy football, and yeah. definitely not what they were hoping for. No, no. Uh, so the Packers are open to trading nipples as long as he's okay with whatever deal they come up with. Is that really news? Like, I know it's news well, no up until, officially said it, but... Yeah, up until this point, though, they haven't been very gung-ho. They've been more on the side of trying to keep him, you know, because he keeps threatening yeah. retirement and everything, right? Yeah. Um, but now they've just basically come out and put the cards on the table and said, we'll trade you if you want to go. Hmm. So, they're, playing, they're almost playing this weird game where Aaron Rodgers is trying to save face and being like, no, they're forcing me out. And yeah, then and like, the Packers are like, if you want to go, we'll trade you. And like, no one wants to make the move to make anybody. Yeah, like, it's a weird game of chicken going on there. I don't know. Like, if I honestly, if I was close to Aaron Rodgers, like in his camp, his agents or something, I'd be like, just enough's enough. Just demand a trade publicly. Like, thank, be kind. Thank your fans. And just say, it's. I've been here a long time. It's time to go. And like, let the chips fall where they may. Like you have to be like, I get it. I, and I'm not, believe me, believe me. I am not the person who's sitting here being like, just be tougher and stronger, toxic, blah, blah, blah. But you have to have a little bit more of a backbone than this. Like you do. You have to be able to take some scrutiny being in the public eye, being a quarterback in the league. If you're holding out for universal popularity, just lock yourself in that dark room that you want to go to so badly and never come out because no one's going to ever love you universally. So I don't know what this game of chicken is, but to me, if both on the Rogers camp and the Packers, like you have a massive asset who is not going to get you a Super Bowl, trade him and get a bunch of stuff back to build your franchise. If I was a fan of the Packers, I'd be really mad right now. Yeah, especially... They lost their star receiver last season, or I guess this season, um, and now they have, they're in this weird game of limbo with their quarterback, who's been their franchise quarterback for years. So the the future there is definitely very weird. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll have to see how the, his four days of isolation 
pan out and if he wants to just publicly demand one or if he changes his mind and decides he wants to stay. Yeah, it's pretty much the whatever these isolation days are for him, he'll probably get an answer coming out of that. Yeah, hopefully. But he also seems like the kind of guy from what we've seen that he'll drag it out until halfway through the off season. He just he needs to be talked about. That, yeah. That's the sense I'm getting. He needs to be talked about. He's one of those people who just needs to be talked about or he doesn't feel fulfilled if the conversation isn't around him. Yeah, that's fair. Did you ever get any uh, any phone calls this week, Mike? <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, Blue of Earth did not reach out. Oh, um, too bad. Very disappointing. Uh, my uh, my adventure in loneliness continues. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Well, hey, I mean, you can't uh, can't have everything. Um, and frankly, Blue of Earth is probably more trouble uh, than Blue of Earth is worth. But uh, hey, you know. You got you got to take a shot, right? Like that's life. Sometimes you have to just take a shot, hope for the best, throw caution to the wind, and sometimes um, you fail. And this is one of those moments. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, telling a NFL quarterback's ex girlfriend to reach out to you. Sometimes <laughs> it's back to back fantasy championships. You know. Yeah, hey. yeah, and maybe maybe I should put in a little more effort than just <laughs> publicly <laughs> announcing it. Give me a call, but hey, that was the caution. If it worked, great. If not, I really probably didn't lose anything because Blue of Earth seems well, pretty much ruined Aaron Rodgers as a football player. So I'm not too sure. Um, or was she the only thing that was keeping him even in the realm of normal? And now he's about to spiral. No. <laughs> if you know what, anything what if about she Blue was of the, Earth, that's not that. Can't what if Blue of Earth was like that last, like last ditch effort on humanity's behalf to try to just keep him contained? I think when he was dating the actress there, Shane Lee Woodley, that was the last ditch effort to hang on to reality. Yeah, maybe um, <laughs> because that, like you know, Hollywood's relatively like liberal, so she probably was that last hope. I don't think there's anything about blue of earth that screams like stability. Um, I w I would argue it's the exact opposite. Now, again, I don't know. I'm not someone who's in touch with Machi, So I don't know. Maybe there's something I don't know, but it seems to me like what happened was is blue of earth and Eric Rogers got together last summer and everything fell apart. That's what it looks like to me. It's, I'm sure there's a million other factors, but it seems odd that that timing would happen. Like when that timing happens, you go, hmm, maybe there's something here. <laughs> like maybe, maybe there's a little bit that we're, that we're uh, missing here. Well, now I'm disappointed because we could have, we could have had a, like a clear answer if uh, she'd reached out to you and then we could just see how your life spirals or. Up Josh, around, how much more can my life spiral? I mean, I don't uh, <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know how much. We, we would find out. We would <laughs> yeah, find I out. Mean, is what I'm saying. Wow, I that would be a wild ride. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like, but that would certainly uh, <laughs> that, that that would certainly answer the question. Is well, I'm on my complete last breath. We know. Yep, it was Blue of Earth uh, who was the problem. Yeah. Well. Oh well. <laughs> Mystery remains unsolved. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
In other news, uh, Derek Carr is not willing to accept a trade to New Orleans. Yeah, this is interesting um, because, you know, well, one, I would ask why. <laughs> why does he not yeah. live in New Orleans? Um, that's a bit of an odd thing, I would think. Yeah, like, it, it seems odd because it's very clear he's not staying where he is. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm aware, New Orleans is the only team that he's met with um, or, or visited, I guess. So I don't know if he has others lined up and that's just not really full public knowledge or if something really weird happened down there and he was like, no, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, but it, it seems like everybody involved at this point is just expecting Derek Carr to get released. Yeah, so, I mean, I I don't. So he he must have a full. He must have a no trade clause in his contract of some kind. Uh, I believe he does. Yeah, yeah. I think he does have a no trade clause. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you're you're moving on anyway. I don't know why you would be that picky. But again, you're right. There must be something. Like there must be a reason where he has some sort of issue with the team or the city or the prospect of being there or what have you. Um, but if he gets released, I mean, I guess then he would get to choose where he would go. So there is more power there. Maybe he just would prefer to be released in order for him to have the power to choose where he wants to sign. But again, you've been with this franchise for so long and maybe there's something going on there, but wouldn't you feel somewhat obligated to be like, okay, like I'll let you get something back for me. No, I think he's been pretty clear that he's not going to help the Raiders at all. So mm. maybe that's just why he's saying, like, maybe he would sign with the Saints. And he's just saying, no, I'm not helping you guys by getting something in return for me. It's like, screw you guys. I'll go sign with them and get paid what I want. And then that'll be it. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. Um, I, I, I mean, it, it's the part of the business. So I get it. And he has the right. If he has no trade clause, he has the right to say no. Yeah, I, I think it's just there's some bad blood there. So he just just wants to cut full ties and doesn't want to be involved in anything with them. Because um, I think they have to decide by the f- in the next coming days. Actually, I think by by the time this podcast comes out, they will have had to have traded or released him. I believe. Yeah. So something in his contract for that. Yeah. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know what has happened anyway. So we're just talking into the void, I guess. Well, it's likely released, though, is what it sounds like. Like, if he's already yeah. kiboshing trades, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's probably been released by now. Yeah, the article that I read basically said that he's refusing to accept any trade. Uh, and that included to the Saints. So, yeah, I'm going to say he was released and... We'll see if he signs with someone or if he takes his time over the offseason. But I would be very surprised if he does not go somewhere where he is either the starter or has the chance to be the starter. Yeah, and in terms of the quarterback conversation for the offseason, like, this is kind of interesting to me because Rodgers is obviously the number one choice. Like, If somebody can, can trade for him, they're going to do that. I, I mean, I, I would argue that Derek Carr is kind of the number two. Like, if you can't get Rodgers, the same teams that we've been hearing that are going after Rodgers probably have interest in Carr, too. Yep. Yep, that would be fair. Fair to say. I don't, honestly, I 
I think I'd probably take Carr over Rodgers just well, me too. He's he's just for the younger. locker room kind of side locker of things, room. and he's younger. Yeah, he's never dated Blue of Earth <laughs> that we know of. That we know uh, of. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm you sure don't know. She's a, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I just, I mean, she is a witch doctor, so who knows? I guess you are gonna be in trouble when she hears this podcast. Yeah, well, I told her to give me a call. I mean, she can yell at me too. That's fine. Like what? Like no, whatever. I, I, as long any, as you're open to that. Yeah. Any human contact at this point would be great, Josh. Okay. <laughs> outside of me. <laughs> like, yeah, outside of you, I'd really love to hear from another human being. So <laughs> fair enough. Okay, I have been sitting here for like two weeks, <laughs> packing up my life in this in this apartment. I've seen no one but the cat who just screams at me, and then I talk to you. So any even Blue of Earth yelling at me for an hour, I would take that at this point. Fair enough. Um, it also came out that Josh Allen won't need any surgery for uh, that elbow issue that he had going on, and he's expected to be back to full health for next season. So as a Bills fan, I'm sure you appreciate that. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was great to hear. Um, I'm glad that the rumors uh, 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 or the, the conspiracy theories about him were false um, and that he'll be back. Yep. Well, should we get on to uh, the Super Bowl? Let's talk about it. It was, uh, it was very entertaining. It was a very, very entertaining game. Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was digging it. I was into it. I think it's one of the more entertaining Super Bowls that I've watched in recent years. There's been some weird ones recently. Um, this one was was quite quite good. Yeah, this is this was what you expect when you have the Super Bowl. You've got two elite teams just going at it, trading punches. Because mm-hmm. um, it seems like there was what, like maybe four punts in the entire game, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Not not many. And a, a missed field goal. Outside of yeah. that, every possession ended in some sort of points being put on the board yeah and and long long drives um the game moved quite well um and you never felt even even when the eagles were up by 10 i never felt like the game was out of reach because you saw plays where the chiefs and eagles were both able to score quickly on offense so the game always felt like it was close and actually I would say in the second half the momentum swung towards the Chiefs and the Eagles sort of fighting back um, to, to tie things up was kind of a moment where it was like oh okay the, this game isn't over yet um, and I thought that was really cool like I thought that the back and forth was good two teams played very very well against each other um, and at the end of the day you know, that the Chiefs pulled out a victory, but it, it could have gone either way. Like you could sit here and have either team win it on, on a field goal t- to end the game, which again is what I think is great ab- about the sport and great about the Super Bowl is this actually felt like it was it was either team's game. Uh, they both felt like they deserved to be there. Absolutely. Yep. Um well, we, we, we have a few things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, why don't we start with the field? Because that's been the most controversial, oh. I guess. Yeah, so what... I don't know what you know more of this, but from what the like commentators were talking about and, and at the half and stuff, 
they were talking about how like the, it was freshly painted all the all the ads and logos and stuff and people were just like slipping all over the place like the, people lost their footing multiple times in that game like people were they were changing their cleats over it was crazy yeah it was uh, i do i believe it was mainly around the painted areas that were a problem but this has been a problem all season as far as i'm aware because i believe harrison butker injured himself in i don't know if it was week one or early at the start of the season on this field um so it, it has been an issue like a long time coming and it's not like this was just freshly installed or anything like this this field has been in this condition for a while um but the painted areas were extremely bad like we saw players on both sides of the ball falling all over themselves uh, jake elliott falling doing the uh, kickoff mm-hmm. like and quite quite frankly it's it's probably a blessing that the field was as slippery as it was and that his ankle never bit into the ground or he would have torn everything in that ankle uh, just the way that it slide, uh, slid sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you saw, like, the, the commentators were talking about from the first quarter to the second quarter, Jalen Hurts went from, I think it was like a half-inch spike to a three-and-a-half-inch spike or something like that on his cleats. Yeah, it was something uh, just like to, that. Just to give him that extra grip. Uh, but people were just all over the place. Nobody. It was like watching them play on, like, rollerblades. Yeah, it, it was... It was so like it was it was so strange to watch because this is the Super Bowl. This particular play like whoever monitors the field, like whatever the organization or if it's the you know, I don't know if it's the organization or just the people who run the facility or what have you, they've known about this for a long time. This is not something that was like new to them that they were getting the Super Bowl. So I'm just wondering what exactly happened that caused this to happen. Because I don't remember in any Super Bowl, I'm trying to think back of this ever being an issue. And there's been, what, they were saying in the past 15, 20 years, this is the third Super Bowl that's been here. Like they were showing highlights from the other two that were in um, Arizona as well. Yes, there have been other ones, um, but this turf wasn't there for the other two. Oh, this is new turf. I think this turf is only a year or two old, Mm. as far as I understand. And it's a new type of turf. Yeah, that's reacting Uh, differently with the paint or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not the same turf that they use uh, everywhere else. Mm. I saw something about it's got something to do with... uh, with the golf association help develop it or something. Oh yeah. So I don't know if maybe it's fine for golfing and you just can't cut and twist and turn on it the way like football players do. I don't know. Um, Which you would never have to really do that in golf. No, exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm guessing this is probably going to be the end of them using it after seeing how badly it, impacted the Super Bowl. Yeah, like that was that was awful. Now, I I think, I mean, I, I I'm sure people will be more in uproar than this, but having watched the game, it definitely impacted individual plays, but I don't think the turf 
had a major impact on the the way the game ended up. Like I think this game was going to be close regardless. Um, the turf made it so it was pretty like evident that there were footing issues and people had to keep changing it. And I don't think you want players having to think that way. Well, they're in the middle of the biggest game possible. They shouldn't be worried about what's on their feet. So I agree that they're, they're probably never going to use this again. Um, but in terms of narratives, I don't think this like hugely impacted the final score. It just impacted, I think, some people's ability because everyone was equally impacted. I mean, you had two teams with two strong running quarterbacks, two very, very strong offenses, pretty major slip-ups all over the place. So I think, I think at the end of the day, it kind of evened itself out because everyone was in the same kind of boat. Not that it was good. It should definitely change and never be like that again. Yeah, I just I feel like the NFL probably won't and they'll just keep it because they don't want to pay to fix it or (laughs) or admit that they screwed up. Um, No one ever likes to admit when they made a mistake. Yeah, Um, but hopefully they do change it because, yeah, that was a prime example of why we can't have it. And thankfully, we're just lucky that nobody suffered a major injury because of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially like the way that defenders were falling as they were attacking people and like rolling up on their ankles, hitting knees weird because they they were losing control of their their body basically right at the point of impact. So very lucky that that happened. Um, that but that was not the only controversy from last night. Uh, also controversial was the uh, officiating crew and the. The backdrop to that was that Roger Goodell earlier in the week said that he doesn't think officiating has ever been better in the NFL. (laughs) And then the Super Bowl (laughs) happened. Listen, I got to completely disagree with him even before the Super Bowl. There has been some ridiculous calls this year, um, let alone the Super Bowl. So, I mean, what what else is a commissioner going to say? But sometimes these commissioners of leagues, I'm like, what are you watching? Like, what is it that you're seeing here that everyone else isn't? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, I guess. Like, he doesn't want to just bury these guys uh, and, and girls. But, uh, like, you can't just say, you know, no, it's 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 the best it's ever been. Like, we're killing it. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. It's it's. It's awful. I mean, there's so many little things that I find with officiating that specifically um, drives me up the wall. (laughs) And like, despite the fact that there's video review and there's a lot more things, and I understand that as a ref, sometimes things happen too fast. Sometimes things are so clear and the ref won't commit Like one of the things that annoys me about football is when they won't blow the whistle or they won't signal a touchdown. Those two things happen in regular games so often where someone will clearly run into the end zone and the refs kind of stand there and look at each other and they kind of like, did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? And then they'll put their hands up. And then sometimes when a player's forward progress is clearly stopped, and yet you won't blow your whistle and then the players keep going and someone will take a penalty. Well, it's because you didn't blow your whistle, Like you've got to blow the whistle to stop the play. And it's, it, I don't know, it's very, 
it's very strange to me some of those decisions let alone the mistakes they make like already just that puts me on edge with officiating before the mistakes that get made so i i have having watched tons of sports football is the one where i understand the referees the least they just seem to be very strange people (laughs) yeah and there's so many of them on the field you know like let's say you know i i think that i saw this and then you saw the opposite side of it and you're like oh no 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 like that's not what happened why are they not I guess, like self-correcting themselves mm-hmm. now, because sometimes they do, you know, they'll say like, yeah. no, there was no foul and, you know, yeah. like ignore the flag basically, you know, like, but it kind of seems like that should probably be happening more often. Yes. With yes. Uh, the way some of this goes, but anyway, last night, the, the controversy obviously was regarding how the game ended. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of that comes down to situational awareness you know, like, at the end of the day, yes. Was it pass interference? It, yes. By the definition of it, absolutely. Did it really have a big impact on the play? Not really, especially with how far off uh, Patrick Mahomes' pass was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's third down. Time's running out. You know they're, they're going to kick a field goal if they don't get this first down. So... That basically was the difference between the Eagles having a minute and a half, a minute 20 to at least try to come down the field and kick a field goal or score a touchdown versus eight seconds. So one of those, you are, we, as soon as the Harrison Bucker kicked that field goal, we knew how the game was ending. Um, it was just a fact. Whereas if, you know, Jalen Hurts has a minute 20, a minute 30 left, nobody knows what's about to happen, right? Yeah. And I think I think you're right. One of the things you said on that I, I want to jump on and talk about a little bit is I really think they should change the wording of the pass interference rule to specifically point out that it has to only happen when it clearly obstructs someone from catching the ball. Like if it if if they would have been able to make a catch or might have been able to make a catch had this interference not happened then you throw the flag. Not when the ball is nowhere near the receiver or overthrown or underthrown, like which happened, you see it. You see people throw up a a Hail Mary just to try to get a pass interference call with no intention that ball's going to be caught. So I think they should should consider reworking that rule to really, meaning pass interference is only pass interference when you impede the receiver's ability to catch the ball. That's it. Yeah, or or if it grossly or, or even if it in, interferes with their ability to run the route, because mm-hmm. a lot of it is timed, right? Yes, that is what uh, So if, you know, if you get half dragged down to the f- ground and then the pass ends up being way off because you're not where you're supposed to be, then absolutely, you were interfered yes. with. It interfered you from running with the ball. But Definitely. Juju was able to clearly run his route. There was a bit of a jersey tug. And then he went on and ran the route. The ball was nowhere near him. I think that that is one that, yeah, you know what? There was a a very minor infraction there, but because of the impact that a flag would have on the game at this stage, we're not calling that. We're letting them play. You know, it's like when it's third and long, you know, and uh, if they score, 
they win kind of a thing and you heave the ball into the end zone and the guys are just hand fighting all over each other, you're not throwing mm-hmm. a flag in that situation, right? No, no. But they do. Or they did. And it completely changed how that game was going to end because we had the potential for, you know, like uh, a last minute comeback attempt would have been extremely exciting. Eagles had two time, or would have had one timeout, I guess, or maybe none. Actually, I can't remember. Uh, anyways, they would have had time on the clock. It would have been extremely exciting. You know, can Hertz pull it off? Are we going to overtime? That's always extremely exciting too. Mm-hmm. And instead, we got that, and we knew exactly how that was going to go. Um, so I, I think that was bad. They had some other questionable calls earlier. Like there was another play earlier in the game where I believe it was. Bradbury and Juju as well, where it was clear pass interference and they didn't call it. So I don't know if this is a redo and they just chose the worst possible time in the Super Bowl to call them a, a makeup penalty um, or or what they were doing there because they never called the first one. and It was much more egregious than that one. Um, and then the Devonte Smith catch to me, I thought that was a catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they ruled that it wasn't Dallas Goddard. I was kind of iffy, you know, like, did he really keep control when he had this toe down still? I don't know. And then they ruled that one a catch. So it just seemed like they were all over the place in terms of the decision making, especially even when doing review and how long they were taking to review it. And I think Mike Pereira said it best, you know, like, if it's taking you this long to look at it, that probably means it's not clear and definitive. You know, it's not like, uh, oh, did the ball cross the the plane where we need to really look at every angle and do a little bit of math here, you know, like based on where this position of his body is, you know, where the football is in relation to would he have crossed the plane. It's just a catch, right? Like, did he have control? Do you see anything clear and obvious to overturn it? Yes or no? And I think, I think the fact that the, it's clear and obvious it, it wasn't being taken into account, which is supposed to be like, it's got to be clear. It's got to be obvious. And then you overturn it. And I think like all those other ones. Yeah. They're maybe, maybe half and half where a couple of them I was iffy on too. a couple of them. I was sure on, I guess why the end of the game bothered me so much was the game was so good up until that point. And like you get penalties going each way and like whatever you know the off doesn't stop the offenses from scoring time and time again until the end when you have this amazing game back and forth and it ends with just like a the chiefs just killing the clock and kicking a field goal that they knew they weren't going to miss um it kind of just had a lackluster ending for me absolutely um, and absolutely. that penalty com- is one of the reasons yeah, like now, like if if the Chiefs said, because I think they weren't first in, or I can't remember were they first in goal at for that drive, or um, I don't think they were. No, maybe they weren't. They well, no, they weren't because they had the they had the, um, the McKinnon there run and slide down to the one yard line. Um, so they must have had. Oh no, they were first and goal because they 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 knelt at least twice. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, regardless, if, if the Chiefs keeping the ball on their offensive side, if they killed the clock and ran it out in whatever way they did, and then they kicked the field goal, and it ended up being okay, there's eight seconds left. That's fine. I can live with that. That's just the game of football. But when a ref 
ref's decision sets it up for that exactly to happen. We just killed the competitive drive at the end of an extremely competitive Super Bowl game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. That's it. it does feel like not to take anything away from the Chiefs or anything because they 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 pulled off a, a great victory, and there's no guarantee that even if that penalty hadn't happened that the chief uh, that the Eagles could have tied it up or, or score it or anything. Um, it just, it felt it cheapened it just a bit because we didn't get to see a full four quarters of them just punching each other in the face to see who won. Yeah, and exactly. It was it, like in, it was like in UFC, you know, like the doctor or the ref calls an early stoppage and like, Oh, come on. You know, like what are you doing? Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's just it. Like when something that egregious negatively impacts what was a very good game, that's when it sort of sours it. Um, You didn't really get to see, I would have loved to have seen, you know, a situation where the chiefs, you know, score after score, try to score. And then, you know, it's back in the, the balls back in the hands of the Hertz and the Eagles to try to go down the field again. Um, So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, both good teams, one of them was going to win. Whether I, I think the Chiefs won based upon their abilities to win, so they're not taking anything away from from them in that way. But yeah, I think they've got to look at some of these things because at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry. Regardless of the athletes, regardless of the sport, if you're not entertaining people, if you don't have a crowd and audience, you don't have a job. So you've got to enter keep entertainment in mind, and they've got to do something to fix these things. Because they're starting to impact with the value of the game. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. Um, and now I do, I do want to talk about some play calling by the Eagles as well on the defensive side and special team side of the ball because I think, like you talked about earlier, that's what led the Chiefs to have this major um, momentum swing. Because on two identical score on two separate drives. They ran identical plays just on opposite sides of the fields and the Eagles 100% blew the coverage both times, uh, which is the Kadarius Tony and then the sky Moore touchdowns mm-hmm. because the next closest defender, I think was 15 yards away from both of them in each drive. And okay. I get it. Fool me once. Shame on me. Right. But fool me twice. Shame on you. What happened? How did you guys not, make an adjustment to that because it was identical. It was the exact same play, just the different side of the field and a different guy catching the ball, but the movement, everything was the same. And both times they were so incredibly wide open. How is nobody passing off, especially close to the, uh, that close to the goal line? Like I get it. They want to play man and try to get some pressure on the quarterback, but look who you're playing against. Look what they do. I, I, I was very angry. Like I, I was a defensive player when I played football. So seeing egregious mistakes like that, when it comes down to just, you just have to make that adjustment, you know, and, and they didn't. So it, it was upsetting for me to watch, especially because I know how good the Eagles defense is and they failed to adjust when it mattered most. And maybe that's kind of like what you talked about before with that playoff experience mm-hmm. and the pressure. Maybe that's what it all came down to is just, this is, uh, a lot of their first time getting into a game this big and they were so hyper fixated on Travis Kelsey that uh, they were letting everybody else go. But it was just those two plays and then the punt return were basically 
the turning points for for the Chiefs in the second half because you you had I think six separate Eagles uh, special team players around Kadarius Tony and he got away from all of them and almost scored a touchdown and then you just left the teams uh, the receivers so wide open it was like why are you're you're just letting Patrick Mahomes put points on the board for free almost. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't think they made good adjustments and I don't think that they really seem to grasp making those adjustments mid game, which could be an experience thing. Like that's, that is something we talked about last week. The chiefs coaching staff and play a lot of their players have the experience of going through multiple rounds of playoffs, winning that gives you intangible things that, that sometimes you just, you don't have one when you don't experience it. So this is probably just a good learning curve for the Eagles, but they just, they seem to never make the adjustments that were so needed against a quarterback who can tear you up. Like Mahomes was able to do so many different things, even on a terrible ankle or whatever he was suffering from. And yet, you know, they just, they weren't able to, to handle what he was able to do. And I th- again, that's experience. Like this is a really well coached team. They've won now their what their second Super Bowl. They'll probably win one or two more before Mahomes is done. Like I could see him winning four Super Bowls. Like I could see that happening. Um, so they, uh, yeah, they're 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 one of those teams now that uh, the, the Patriots of this time, whatever decade we're in, because because I think <laughs> whatever whatever this decade is. Um, the, the Patriots were always like that. Didn't matter if they finished, you know, eleven and six or sixteen and zero. Once they got into the playoffs, they were uh, they were a hard team to beat because of that experience. Yep, you're absolutely right. They're uh, the Chiefs are looking to be the new dynasty. Um, the Eagles, the Bengals, you know, they're all teams that are setting themselves up. They could be in that same position, but it's hard to usurp the guys who've been there and done it a few times already because they don't have that stress that you do. Yeah. They, there's something familiar with it. Um, it's like when you do, you know, you become comfortable at work or you do the same thing at home all the time. Like the first time you try something new, you're often nervous, or you're scared or you're unsure and you're trying to figure it out. And then over time, it just becomes second nature to you. And I think the Chiefs, having now been to, as, as you know, at least with this coaching staff and a good chunk of their team, three Super Bowls now, they've been there. They've lost one. They've won two. But they've been there. Um, they understand what it takes to win. They understand making those adjustments. And they're used to making adjustments. Philadelphia is going to have a good team for the next several years. But I do think what's going to make the difference between them winning and, and not is can they make those types of adjustments mid game change up their plan um and you know and make it work with whoever it is that you're facing but yeah i think cincinnati philadelphia they're both going to have good teams moving forward kansas city so long as mahomes is there and so long they've as they've got mainly that coaching staff or as good amount of that coaching staff as possible they're going to be a tough team to beat absolutely um speaking of halftime adjustments how uh how did you enjoy the halftime show, Mike? Well, I'm not. Listen, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of music. Anyone who knows me will know that. I just don't listen to music generally. I really don't like music when it's live because I generally find it sucks. Um, 
So, you know, half of the music was being like just pumped through the speakers. Uh, and then the other half she was singing. I don't really know Rihanna and and her music. So I didn't really recognize anything. Like there was a couple tunes where I thought, oh, okay. I, I think I've heard that on the radio or like I've heard that before. Um, but yeah, I, I thought like in terms of the production value, it was quite well done. Like this was in terms of halftime shows, this was one of the ones where I can look at and be like, you know, objectively that was like, just like the game, pretty entertaining. Like there was a lot of different stuff that they were clearly able to do. Um, I just, you know, the music's just not for me. It's just not my, uh, not my cup of tea. And, uh, if you're going to just, play part of your track over like why don't they just play music at halftime why do they have to have a show but i guess yeah, it's, the, it's the entertainment yeah it's the entertainment so. value um and it's uh, always you always get a big star of the day and and you know there you go that's that's what happened so it was definitely it was definitely entertaining like i'm not going to sit here and say it was a terrible show and there's been some awful ones and this was not one of those. Um, but in terms of the music, I'm like, eh, I'd still rather see someone else. Like, it wouldn't be my first choice of, of who to, to actually like, hear. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I am so glad that they announced that she was pregnant afterwards, because that's all I was thinking the whole time watching it. And I felt like such a dick because I was like, I'm just staring at this poor woman's stomach, like trying to figure it out. And thankfully, that's it was what I saw was she does have a baby bump and she is oh, confirmed okay. as being pregnant. Um, so I was like, oh, man, like if she's not, I'm such a dick. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, but, you weren't the only one like that was the chatter out there. Uh, it was thankfully. Yeah, that, that helped, too. I was like, OK, I'm not the only one seeing this. Um, I don't know. That, I'm not that helped I, a lot. I, wasn't something that I really noticed. I'm not trying to be pompous, but like I wasn't paying attention that that closely to 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 what people look like generally. Like it's just I just don't notice. I don't notice haircuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm just someone who does, I'm just someone who doesn't notice things. So it's not it's not me being pompous. I'm just like I'm not looking for things. So I didn't really notice that. Um, but yeah, it was all the internet was talking about. Um, afterwards and like oh like that's also that's pretty impressive listen like I don't again I don't know I'm never going to know what it's like to be pregnant but you know it's your body's going through a lot of things from what I hear and it can be a difficult you know process so the fact that she's able to do all that like power to her I mean I stub my toe and I can't do anything for like a month and a half so yeah no you're definitely right it absolutely was extremely impressive yeah like that's Uh, that makes it even more impressive frankly (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, that, that pretty much wraps up uh, this year's Super Bowl, and uh, that's the end of this football season. So we're officially into the offseason now, Mike. Yeah, this is going to be um, this is going to be a really interesting offseason. I mean, there's, there's some time. Things will happen, and news will happen, certainly in terms of coaching staff over the next little while. But as, as you get closer, when, when players start being released, then action starts happening. And as you get close to free agency in the draft, that's when things really start to move. There's always a little tiny short lull after your Super Bowl, but then people are like, okay, we got to, we got to get started for next year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Well, let's, uh, let's go and talk about running backs 
for a little bit more and just get a bit more in depth on them. Um, when we last talked about running backs, we left off at, uh, we got through the top 10, so we'll just get through as many as we can with the time remaining. Um, so at number 11, we had Ramondre Stevenson he finished with 214, uh, fantasy points. Uh, New England is always a dicey situation for running backs and fantasy. Cause you never know what Bill Belichick is going to do. <laughs> yeah, um, and we kind of saw both him and Damian Harris do well this season at different points. Um, I think Stevenson benefited from Harris being injured and kind of cementing, you know, Hey, I, I can provide a lot of value to you. Um, if you were willing to roll the dice with them in terms of fantasy and, and if you drafted him, like he was the RB 36 going off the board. He was the average like 91, 92 draft pick. So number 11 overall fantasy running back. That's a great return on your investment. That's pretty good. Like if if you're really expecting him to be kind of uh, like a late pick for a late pick, if you've picked some other decent running backs, like that's a pretty good like third running back to have on your team. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, he was probably drafted at best to be somebody's third running back, maybe even someone's fourth or fifth, like depending on how deep your bench is. Right. Um, and to get a, a top 12 running back in return, that's a great return. Um, at number 12, we had Joe Mixon, who uh, a good chunk of his points this year were uh, in that 50 point game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, against I was me. expecting him to be in the top 10. Joe yeah, Mixon. well, he didn't do much outside of that because the no. Bengals decided, hey, Joe Burrow turns out can throw the ball pretty well, so we're gonna just we're gonna stick with that. Um, so he outside of that game, uh, which again was against me, and thankfully I survived. Uh, he he overall did not help you very much, and he cost you a lot in the draft. He was the RB seven going off the board, the average pick, uh, average tenth pick. So first maybe early second round pick uh, area, depending on your league's format. And I mean, you got a top 10 pick, so that's kind of what you expect, I guess, from, or I get, you got a top 12, sorry, running back. So he was close to draft value, but when you're spending a first round pick, you're trying to get like a top five guy. You're not looking at top 12. Yeah. Um, like I, I would have expected, I think where I had Joe Mixon, in sort of my personal depth chart was somewhere in the kind of six to 10 range where, where he's just outside the top five, but probably have a good season. So to me, this is a pretty big disappointment as to where he, I thought he would be. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and number 13, Miles Sanders, who actually finished higher than I thought, despite how efficient the Eagles offense was and how efficient we knew we were going to be just the way that Jalen hurts plays, you know, he siphons a lot of those touchdowns and opportunities away from Miles Sanders. So the fact that he was still able to finish as the 13, uh, that's pretty good with 206 fantasy points. Um, he was drafted as the RB 30 and at going around the 82, 83 pick in the draft. So again, that's great value to get returned for. Um, because I think a lot of people were scared because of Jalen Hurts to take him, you know. Um, so if you pulled the trigger on him again as your third, fourth running back, he he didn't help you very much weekly. But in those games where he did score, if you had the courage to start him, he paid off for you. Never bet on him in the Super Bowl. That's where I learned this year. Did you bet on him? 
I did. I spent twenty five dollars on on my Miles Sanders. Yeah. Like what? Discord touchdown. Discord touchdown. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you should have consulted me. I would have told you that was a terrible bet. <laughs> well, I didn't think betting was really your forte. See, this is what I do. Ever since single game betting became legal in Canada, I've like kind of stayed away from it. But last year and this year, I decided to just have a small budget. It's like a hundred dollar budget and just throw it on some like bets for the Super Bowl. And last year I spent a hundred bucks and I, made, I ended up making money off of it. Like it did pretty well. This year I didn't win a single of my bets. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, all right. <laughs> So nobody asked Mike for betting advice. Not this year, no. It was awful. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're an every other year kind of guy. I don't yeah, know. next year will be better here. Yeah. But I think this year I took it too seriously. Last year I bet on dumb things, like oh. how long would the national anthem be and stuff like that. This year, <laughs> yeah, like that was one of my bets. This year I bet on the game, uh, and I was I was close but wrong. <laughs> I, I was no. really close on a few things but wrong. Fair enough. Um, at number 14, Najee Harris, 202 fantasy points. He was the uh, RB6 going off the board, uh, average pick number eight. So not quite what you were expecting, but he played the majority of the, f- I think half of the, the first half of the season, he was not at full strength. Like you no. didn't really see the real Najee until he got that plate taken out of his foot. Um, so he turned it on. If you, if you had the courage to stick with him and keep starting him, he definitely helped you on the latter end of the season. Um, number 15 was Leonard Fournette. He, uh, was a disappointment compared to how he finished the year before 189 fantasy points, but only six touchdowns on the year. Um, he struggled a bit with injuries too. And I, I, I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to keep him around or not. I really don't. Um, but he was the RB13 going off of the board, uh, 22nd, 23rd pick in the draft. Not not the best, not the worst return on your value. Like he was right around what you drafted him to be, I guess, as your RB2, RB3. But uh, for those of you who were expecting, I guess, a repeat of last year, it did not pan out. You were disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at number 16 was Kenneth Walker, the third 189 fantasy points. So he obviously benefited from Rashad Penny's injury. Um, if you were willing to take him as that sleeper pick, he, he paid off for you. He was the RB 38, 103rd, 104th pick in the draft on average. So if you drafted him or if you were smart enough to pick him up on the waiver wire early in the season, then he, he hundred percent paid, paid off for you. Um, at number 17, Travis Etienne Jr., 187 points. He uh, he had a bit of an up and down season as well, uh, he, but he finished right where he was going. The RB17, average pick 40. Pretty much just gave you what you what you paid for, I guess. Um, at number 18 was Alvin Kamara. Uh, again, not what you were expecting to see this year from Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to have a pretty low or at least a lower draft uh, value next year with his legal situation. But we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the draft. He was the RB nine going off the board though. And, uh, and he finished at 18. So he definitely hurt you if you took him in the first round or early second. Um, At number 19, Ezekiel Elliott, 177 fantasy points. Uh, Elliott split and work with Tony Pollard. It's a weird situation going on there in Dallas, but he was the RB15. 
not the worst return on your investment, but definitely not what you're expecting from Zeke either. And at number 20 was James Connor. So Connor kind of struggled with uh, getting into the end zone the way that we had seen him in the past, uh, at least towards the start of the year. He only finished with eight touchdowns anyways. And he basically became the offense once uh, Kyler Murray left because they couldn't really do much of anything else. Uh, he was the RB 16 going off the board, average pick of 29. So again, not quite what you were expecting, but he didn't kill you too much either. Uh, and we'll stop there with the top 20 running backs. So uh, this week's episode will be released on Friday, the 17th. Uh, if you're listening to it, it's probably today. Uh, Mike and I won't be around for the next two weeks. We're taking a bit of a two-week break there. So the next podcast that you get from us will be released on March 10th, uh, 2023. Uh, feel free to write in some fan questions during this time. You know, if, if we have enough, maybe we can do some sort of a mailbag episode for our comeback after our break. Uh, if not, then we'll just start going into some off-season talk topics and uh, talk about some fantasy football quarterbacks. So if you have questions for us, you can reach us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, ConquerDraft.com. Uh, you can email us at contact at ConquerDraft.com, or you can go to the website and fill out the uh, form on our podcast page. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, I personally love to hear from you too, especially when your guys are going after Mike and his controversial opinions. So feel free to just send those out there. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the 2022-2023 fantasy football season now that it's come to an end. Take care, stay safe, guys.